Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Vancouver Eastside Vineyard Sunday morning worship. It's the second Sunday of Easter. And today, I want to talk about being a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. And we're going to be looking at our text from John chapter 20, those momentous events where Jesus first met with his disciples after his resurrection and looking at amazingly parallel experiences to what we're going through in our world today. But to start, I want to do something that's very counterintuitive, uh, very counter to the culture. We live in a very TikTok video world where you kind of have about five seconds to grab somebody's attention or you've lost them. And uh, that causes a lot of anxiety right there. So what I'd like to do is just stop and light a candle and invite you first of all into silence this morning as we normally do when we begin our worship. And uh, I'm gonna light this candle just to remind us through this time and through our morning together that Jesus is with us, that we're not alone. And I'd like to, after we've lit this candle, just invite you into silence. And silence is an opportunity for us just to take a deep breath and just to be aware of God with us. And uh, I encourage you to begin by just taking uh, two or three deep breaths right now. Just go ahead and breathe in and breathe out. And just do that again. Just breathe in the love of God for you today. And breathe out any fear or worry or any other emotions that may feel kind of toxic. And then breathe again in God's love for you. And then just take some time for silence right now, just to breathe normally. Be aware of your body just resting on the couch or chair or wherever you're sitting this morning. And be aware of your feelings, of your emotions, of, uh, and know that Jesus is meeting you there. He's not condemning or criticizing in any way, putting any kind of performance on you. That there is acceptance and there's love for you. So again, a big welcome, whether you're here in Vancouver or abroad joining us today, we're so glad you're with us. How to be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. I was again on a run this week. Uh, I'm happy to say I didn't fall this time. And uh, thank you for all your loving encouragement about last week's story. Uh, doing well, but as I was running down the street, again, keeping good physical distance, I heard a guy, I still was close enough to hear a guy talking on his cell phone, and I heard him say in quite a high-pitched voice, we're doing the best that we can do in a very stressful situation. And you could just feel the anxiety in his voice. And it was a beautiful spring morning, the birds were singing, 
And uh, all of creation was again uh, exploding with color and life and the fragrances of the cherry blossoms were just intoxicating. And yet you could still feel this palpable anxiety, even as I was running and walking and seeing people that's so present in our world. And I can't count the number of times I've, say, I've heard somebody say similar things. If it's not a note from our bank or uh, a note from a company or people uh, talking uh, about a service that they're offering, often I've heard that phrase, we're doing the best that we can do in a very difficult situation. And we're living in a very anxious world right now. There's anxiety and fear is so high. And I wanna talk about peace today. And this really shows up in our text from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31, where Jesus comes and sees his disciples. And you know, it's amazing how a world crisis can take a subject that seems so mundane and, and ordinary and make it all of a sudden very sensational. You know, a subject like, uh, oh, for example, toilet paper. Uh, it's amazing how much that's been in our conversation in the last few weeks. And uh, I still can see that picture of Gollum from Lord of the Rings where he's holding this roll of toilet paper going, my precious. And uh, that's how kind of we, we feel. And, and crises do that. And, and, and the subject of peace, if I was a few months ago to say I was talking about that, it would have sounded maybe a little bit mundane. But man, is it important now. Uh, I believe that this, this topic of peace which I will define today as being a non-anxious presence uh, is probably one of the most critical things that we can address. And I believe as the church, as the VEV, it's one of the most precious gifts that we can offer to our world, to our neighborhood. It's a very precious commodity. And this is what Jesus offered to his disciples when he came into the upper room and and they were in a similar situation to us. They were in uh, social isolation. They were in lockdown. And uh, it wasn't because of a pandemic, but it's because their leader had been executed by the authorities and they were actually fugitives as the, as the authorities were trying to find them and, and execute them as well. So we find them in, in this quarantine, surrounded by fear and by trauma. And, and they'd had three straight days of bad news and every little sound and, and movement just spooked them and frightened them. And when their fear was at its peak, Jesus all of a sudden appears in the room. And I don't know if I'm a little bit twisted, but if I was Jesus, I would have gone boo. But thank God I'm not Jesus. Um, what he did is he stood in their midst and he said, peace be unto you. And, and Luke writes, that the reason he said that is because they thought he was a ghost. And so uh, he had to quickly uh, assuage their fears. And uh, you see, a, a, a ghost is scary enough, but for them, a, a ghost was a harbinger of death. It was like the Grim Reaper has shown up and it meant certain death for them. And they were certain this was it. It was over when they saw this seeming ghost. So Jesus quickly says, peace be unto you. And he, he assuages their fears by showing them his scars. And the first thing I wanna say, and there's three times in this text that Jesus says, peace be with you. It's amazing the number of times he says it in such a short period of time. And I believe that each time addresses an area of anxiety that we all suffer from. 
And so I'm presenting this to you not as a prescription, as some kind of formula to deal with anxiety, but rather a description of how Jesus approached anxiety with his disciples and how he processed it with them, because I think it can speak to us in our story today. And the first thing he did was he was just present with them as he said, peace be unto you, and he showed them his scars. And dear sisters and brothers, I think the most precious thing that we can offer in being a non-anxious present is just to show up for one another with our scars and realize, you know, when Jesus showed them his scars, he said, look, this is the worst thing that human beings could ever do to someone. And look, I didn't come out too bad. I've got a few scars, but everything's okay. And he's with them, with his scars. And I think there's something about being willing and intentional about being present with each other that just, dis, just destroys the distortions that we get through anxiety. Anxiety distorts our perceptions. And to give you an example, it reminds me of one time I was driving down an expressway and I looked at my speedometer and I realized I was 10 kilometers over the speed limit. And at the very same moment, I looked into my rearview mirror and I saw a flashing light of a, a red light of a police car and all my adrenaline just, just released and, I, and my heart pounded and I realized that I was going to be $200 cheap, uh, poorer. And so I, with resignation, pulled over to the side of the road only to, to look and see the police car speed around me and keep on going. So my perceptions were causing anxiety and the anxiety in turn, in turn uh, fed the distortion of reality that I was experiencing. And, there, and there, there is that kind of impact that anxiety has and distortion has of reality. And so Jesus addresses that by just showing his scars. And he says, peace be unto you. Isolation distorts reality, but community breaks the power of that distortion when we come together. Carrie Newhouse, a Canadian pastor and researcher, has said that since the coronavirus crisis, church attendance in Canada has increased by 300%. And I think it's because we are learning the power of coming together in community. The second time that Jesus said, peace be unto you, he, re he repeats it, and the question is, why does he repeat it? Well, we have to remember that the last time he saw them, since the last time they saw them, there had been an epic fail on the part of all of them. They had royally screwed up. And uh, his, his most, uh, the leader of his disciples had denied him three times, two times in front of a teenage girl, uh, three of his best friends, he asked them to pray with him when he was overcome with the horror and trauma of the appending crucifixion. And they all fell asleep on him. And then the rest of them, when he needed them the most and when he was facing the hostility of his enemies and he needed their emotional presence and support, they all fled in, in fear, leaving him alone. And so this is the first time that he's back together with them. And I think there was this sense of relational awkward, you know, like I think it's kind of like, oh man, the initial fear was overcome about him not being a ghost, that he was a real, real person, that he was alive and he was well. But now it's that relational awkwardness, like, oh man, I blew it. 
And what he immediately does is he says, peace be unto you. He doesn't even mention their failures. And he goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, whoever sins you, uh, you forgive, they are forgiven. And walk in forgiveness. It's interesting that when Jesus, uh, before he went to the cross, he told them they were going to fail. He'd already anticipated that. He said, you're all going to fall away, but meet me in Galilee and we'll just pick up the story. I'm holding here something very precious to Kathleen and me. This is a photo album that was left by our most recent homestay daughter, Sophie. And Sophie, uh, she, she lived in Vancouver for five months before she came to us and was having a difficult time with a homestay. And we found out she was looking for an alternative. And we got to know her through our previous homestay, Naomi. And so we, we uh, approached the agency and asked if we could have Sophie. And they checked with her. And to our great joy, they said yes. And so, and she said yes. And so we, uh, we had her come in the 1st of February. And then with the coronavirus, we found out, she found out within two days that she had to go. And somehow, within a two-day period of time, with saying goodbye to her friends, all her packing, making the arrangements to have to hurry to get ready for her flight, she put this album together. And after I took her to the airport and said goodbye, we found this in her room. And it, it's an amazing job. But she wrote at the beginning these beautiful words. She said, I'm sorry I didn't finish the album, but next time we meet, I'll finish it. And it was just her way of saying to us, you know, the story isn't finished. Our story isn't finished yet. And that simple little note, along with this beautiful album, brought so much comfort to Kathleen and I. And it brought hope to us as well. And it's like Jesus was saying to the disciples, you remember that story we were in? Remember that story about making this world right by loving well? And then everything went sideways? Well, guess what? Game on. This story isn't finished yet. And, and what I love is he never once in the post-resurrection appearances mentions their failures. Not even with Peter. There was a bit of an implication when he asked Peter three times if Peter still loved him. But he just, he doesn't even talk about it. He just says, game on, let's go. And, and one of the most moving things about my story last Sunday as I reflected on it is as I thought about Jesus talking to me in the morning as I'd fallen in that park and was in so much pain and he told me to just get up, everything's gonna be okay, keep running. Several times during the day I revisited that experience. And, you know, I realized that he never once mentioned, mentioned my swearing. And for some reason that touched me so deeply and I became so aware that I really had encountered the Lord so powerfully in that moment. But he didn't mention my failure. I was so ashamed of, of my example of losing control. He could have said, you know, you're not being a very good example as a pastor. He didn't do that. He just said, Get up, keep running, it's gonna be okay. And you know, this whole idea of having an outward focus in a mission sounds like the so opposite of where we're at. We're trying to survive, we're trying to buy toilet paper, we're trying to get 
to, to hold our lives together. And right in the middle of the anxiety, he says, he says, you're, you're still on a mission. You're still on a story. There's still an outward focus I have for you. And I'm reminded of the words by Henry now. And he said, every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know I am moving from fear to love. You're overcoming fear with love every time you choose to be generous with your time, with your money, with your resources, with your energy, to help somebody else. Now you and I can't help everybody, but we can help somebody. And kudos to you, you guys are doing that. You're reaching out. I'm so proud of Wade and Joanna and the Pallister family, along with the Lees and O'Hara's, who on their front lawn last Easter Sunday had a worship and dance party, socially distant, but just as Wade quoted Leonard Cohen, kicking at the darkness till it bleeds daylight. Well done. And so many of you in so many uh, beautiful ways are, I've heard stories of, of how you're reaching out. You are a gift from the heart of God to this broken world, as Jesus was a gift from the heart of God to our broken world. I was so blessed by Andre Bocelli as he stood on the front steps of the Duomo in Milan, Italy, last Easter Sunday morning. And he sang to that epicenter of the coronavirus in Italy and to all those broken cities and, and to the cities of the world. Amazing grace, amazing grace. And he prefaced those words with how the power of music through the power of music, we will hug this wounded world's pulsing heart. And so use what you love to do to touch the world at its deepest pain. And there's one more time Jesus said, peace be unto you, or peace with, be with you in our, in our reading. The first time he was lovingly present to them. Number two, he, was, he ignored their failure and said, we're still in the story, it's not finished yet. Keep loving, heir to the side of generosity, heir to the side of mercy. And finally, the third time was a week later. And you remember it was that encounter with Thomas. And the only way I can describe what happened with Thomas was, uh, you know, we've all heard that people are like sheep. And, sh and a sheep, will see a sheep go over the cliff and the whole herd, they have a herd mentality, will just follow that one sheep over the cliff to their death. Well, it's the same with fear. Sheep get spooked easily. And so if a butterfly all of a sudden takes off, one sheep can just start shaking like this. And then what happens is the next sheep sees that sheep shaking, so he starts shaking. And then the next one shakes until the whole herd is shaking and they don't even know why they're shaking. And you know what the shepherd does? He comes to that first sheep that got spooked and he puts his rod or his staff gently against the side of the sheep or on the back of the sheep, to, as if to say, this is my hand, this is my arm, I'm here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he holds that staff there until the sheep stops shaking. And then, as soon as that sheep stops shaking, that peace that that sheep feels begins to transfer to all the other sheep until the whole herd is again at peace. 
And I believe that peace can be transmitted. That's why when we've gathered together, we turn to one, to one another and we say, peace be with you. And to me, this is a tender illustration of what happened with Thomas. Remember, he wasn't there at that first encounter with Jesus. And, and later when the disciples told him they had seen Jesus, he voiced his doubt and he said, I don't believe and I won't believe unless I see his scars and unless I can put my finger into the scars of his hands and feet inside. And, you know, I don't think Thomas's doubts were intellectual. You know what I think? I think it was more emotional and relational. It was like, why would Jesus show up? when I wasn't there. I think he felt left out. I think he, he wondered about God's love and care for him and the big plan. I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. Obviously, I'm not that important to Jesus. And so Jesus comes with his rod and his staff and he appears to them again and he says directly to Thomas, peace be with you. Here, here's my hands, my feet, my side, guess what? You're, you're a part of this. We're not gonna leave you out. And essentially his words to Thomas are words to each of us. You have a unique place in the world, a unique story as part of the bigger story. And we're not going without you. It's kind of like those runners in the Special Olympics. I love telling this story in Seattle. They were running and one of the racers fell down and all the other uh, runners with disabilities stopped and they went back and picked up the person that had fallen and they all ran across the finish line together. That's our story. That's our story. I want to conclude with a story that I've told before and it's true. It happened when we were in the high Alps of Switzerland on our sabbatical and Marcus's family had made this Alps cabin available to Kathleen and I in the Alps way above the tree line in Switzerland. And in the summer, the sheep are often herding up there and are being grazed and pastured up there. And there was a sheep farm really close to where we were staying. And, and I'd walk often through that sheep farm. And there was a flock of sheep that every time I would come, they would just freak out. And you'd hear all the little bells go off and they'd run. And, they, and I'd see them standing afar off and they'd be shaking, literally peeing themselves. They were so afraid. Well, this happened several times, and finally, the third time or so, as I was getting closer, I saw them jump and look up at me, and just instinctively out of my heart, I said, it's okay. I said, I am a shepherd from Canada, and I have a flock, and I'm not gonna harm you. It's gonna be okay. And so I continued to walk, and this time, they didn't run. They let me walk by them and they watched me as I walked by. I smiled at them, let them know I was safe. Yeah, I talked to sheep. And I'm not kidding you. After I passed and I continued on my walk, I heard all of these bells going off. And I turned around and the whole flock was following me. And they followed me as long as they could, as long as the fence lines allowed them to follow me. They followed me. And the only reason I can figure out that they followed me is they recognized the voice of the shepherd. And you know what? When you and I stay in God's peace, we speak peace to one another. That's the voice of the shepherd. That causes the trembling and the shaking to, to, to cease. 
So anxiety is contagious, but peace is also contagious. And it's more, more powerful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Perfect love casts out all fear. So God says to us, all will be well. So to finish the session, this song, uh, based on Julian of Norwich's words, all will be well, all manner of things will be well, written by Lynn, Lynn O'Hara's friends when she was part of the band uh, Emmaus. And it's been going through my heart and mind so much, and I couldn't quite find the lyrics. And Lynn, bless your heart, you sent them to me this week. And I'd like to close with <clears throat> this song, All Will Be Well. And you can't Google them to get the lyrics, I tried, but the words are very simple. And uh, uh, invite you to join us as we conclude this session.
Well, sorry my piano cut out on me there, but still worked. Uh, the message is still true. And thank you so much for joining us. If you want to join us on our Zoom call, we're going to have a corporate live meeting in a few minutes. And I encourage you to just uh, email vev at telus.net to get the password. And we'd love for you to join us wherever you are. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And may God fill you with his peace, his non-anxious presence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.